Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Police swarmed a posh apartment building. A woman's body had been found in the trash compactor room. Though many officers responded, it would soon become apparent that the investigation was botched from the beginning, with missed evidence and impossible explanations. At the center of it all was a woman who lost her life and a grieving family looking for answers. This week's episode is The Mysterious Death of Phoebe Hanschuk, Part 2. Fills with dread, probably a murderer who wants you dead. It could be a ghost, a demon, or worse. Perhaps you're the victim of a witch's curse. It's hopeless, you're doomed. You'd call a priest if you could. You'd rather just listen to who? Sinisterhood. I'm gonna kill you. Well, we had quite a response to episode one. Thanks to everybody who sent DMs, commented on Instagram, Facebook, talked about it on the Patreon Facebook group. We really appreciate all of the feedback, especially regarding our repeated refrain and disclaimer that Anne Hample <laughs> has been cleared by the coroner and have any responsibility, and we're not suggesting otherwise, because uh, folks are free to make their own uh, decisions, opinions, once we've laid out the evidence, and that's what we're doing. Mm-hmm. Yes. I wasn't aware that it seems like this isn't a really well-known case. A lot of people, our listeners from Australia even said, I, you know, people don't talk about this enough. We're so glad that it's getting more attention. There is a whole podcast that's dedicated to it called Phoebe's Fall, and there's been some other shows that have covered it. To me, it seems like it would be everybody would know about it because it's so strange Mm -hmm. if not i'm glad that we can hopefully help bring some attention to this yeah for sure because i think we talked about in the first one it was one where it was probably going to be forgotten and left behind but for her very tenacious family reaching out to the creators of the phoebe's fall podcast Mm -hmm. who are both uh journalists and work with the sydney morning herald and the age magazines like they're Uh, affiliated magazine and the fact that they looked into it and said yes what we're about to talk about in this episode among other things but yes this is something that we want to publicize and that's that was back 2016 and her family is still searching for answers so any amount of attention i think that we can bring on it and part three we're going to talk about more of the legal aspects and definitely the law issues and some laws that have been changed and then other laws that still need to be changed uh because i know we all feel a little bit you know, you feel hopeless reading something like this. If this could happen to her, you know, is it you? Could it be your own daughter that goes through something like this? And the the way the system is set up, they just get completely forgotten. So hopefully, we'll be able to address that in the next one as well. And more people knowing about it, more people can you know reach out to lawmakers, regulators, whoever are in charge to make some type of difference. Yeah, this is going to be three parts now. So we originally thought too, like so many times when we do a multi parter. We start digging into it and then realize there's just too much. 
and to give everybody's brains a rest and not have to digest all the information in like two and a half hours, we're going to break it up into three. So we'll also in the third one be talking about some other stuff that's happened that gives us pause. Yes. Possibly related. so Possibly related. And this one is definitely, I mean, it's primarily just day of all the evidence at the crime scene because it's vital that we understand what reality is because part three, we're going to analyze what the coroner said reality was, which we will see is not, they're two different things. There's two different takes and not even just interpretation, just flat out two different. um, Like you're living in two different. Yeah. Like a multiverse theory. Yes, it's bizarre. Mm -hmm. So yeah, so we want to make sure you have every single fact so you can make your own conclusion as well. Absolutely. Well, I'm Christy. I'm Heather. And let's get into it. On December 2nd, 2010, well-connected events promoter and son of two prominent judges, Ant Hample, was in his luxury apartment in Melbourne, Australia. He had arrived home at 6.09 p.m. to quite a scene. His girlfriend, Phoebe, was missing. The apartment was disorderly, with broken glass on the kitchen floor, a couch cushion torn up, and blood on the keyboard and mouse of his girlfriend's computer. Her purse and its contents was on the counter, except for her sunglasses, which were nowhere to be found. Her hair straightener was plugged in and turned on, and several candles had been lit. Also inside her purse was her key fob, which you cannot get in or out of the building without it. By all accounts, this scene would lead me to believe that someone... If they were going to leave the apartment, they didn't intend on being gone for long. They were going to come right back. There was open flames. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, I mean, you don't leave your hair straightener and stuff like that plugged in if you're going to be gone. It's a a danger. And then also, if you're planning on leaving to go very far, you're not going to get very far without your purse. Yes. And or shoes. And there's also two glasses on the counter with liquid in them. Mm -hmm. So... It seems like maybe there was somebody having a drink. There was a scuffle. Who knows? Yes. That's just based on the evidence. Ant spoke with Phoebe's father around 6.53 p.m. on December 2nd, letting him know that his daughter was missing. According to the book Into the Darkness, the source of that phone call is contested. Ant insisted he called Lynn from his own phone. According to Lynn's phone records, Ant answered Lynn's call from Phoebe's phone. Later, Ant told authorities that he was not in possession of Phoebe's phone, as he had taken it to a repair shop earlier that morning. During the call, Lynn suggested Ant report Phoebe missing, but Ant refused, saying that police wouldn't act until 48 hours had passed. This was pretty bombshell in my opinion, because first we had Ant say, I took the phone to the repair shop Wednesday morning. Mm -hmm. Then later he said, well, I took it Thursday morning, which is December 2nd, would have been this day. Then... Len said, I called Phoebe's phone at 6.53, and Aunt said, well, I called him right back on my own phone one minute later. But Len's phone records show that call was answered in that apartment by Aunt at that time. And then later on, they get the phone back and go, well, it's been at the repair shop. Sorry. So the call, the call to Phoebe was not answered. The call to Phoebe's phone was not answered. There's two versions of the story. Reality, based on the transcripts, the call was answered on Phoebe's phone. That's what's based on the transcripts. But a, a conversation did not take place. It was just answered no. It and took hung place. Up. That's who called. Len called Phoebe's phone. Aunt answered. That's what Len's gotcha. recollection is, and that is what the phone records say. Aunt's recollection and what was 
adopted by the authorities as the truth is that Len called Phoebe's phone. Nobody answered. Seconds later, Ant happened to just call Len at that exact moment, not because he was set off by any type of a phone call because the phone wasn't in the apartment. It gets confusing because, again, there's like reality of based on evidence and facts. And then there's the official version that is mostly based on Aunt Hample's version and then was adopted almost wholesale by the coroner. And in the first episode, we talked also about how her father said in the entire time they had dated, Aunt had never once called him. So it was strange that he was calling him at all. And even stranger that he just happened to think to call him because they were going to be late for dinner mm-hmm. and not because, oh, he had just called Phoebe's phone. But the actual phone records show that Phoebe's phone was answered, which yeah. means it had to have been answered. Nuh-uh. I mean, that's just like the answer you get when you go, are you sure? Well, the records say this. Well, that's, no, that's not what happened. It's like. I I mean, is it one of those things that unless someone started pressing charges, it's not going to be brought into question because there's really no reason for it to right now? Uh, I mean, it should have been questioned thoroughly by the coroner's court, which or the sure. coroner's inquiry, which that's all going to be all part three, which is essentially like a pre-trial, and we'll explain it in part three. But it, that's the authorities go through the evidence and uh, should analyze it, and then you come up with the not cause of death, but manner of death. And then if your manner of death is homicide, then from there, then they would then press charges and pursue it. But a full accounting of the evidence happens at this coroner's inquest, and so. It's strange that this doesn't seem to be a big red flag. None of it yep. does. I mean, none of it. None of it. It's very strange. I mean, it's a red flag to us, but to the one person whose opinion's kind of official, it doesn't seem like it's a red flag. Yes, which is interesting. After talking with Lynn, Ant ordered takeout food. While he waited for his food delivery, police cars swarmed the building downstairs. Betel Azula, known as Beth, worked as a concierge at the Balencia building in Melbourne. She had already had a busy day on December 2nd, with two fire alarms being set up by contractors working on the penthouse. The last of the firefighters responding to the second alarm left the building by 6.35 p.m. Beth walked into the building's trash compactor room just after 7, looking for a broom and dustpan in order to clean up some crumbs left in the elevator. She tried opening the door, but had to push much harder than usual. When the automatic lights in the room kicked on, A horrible scene was revealed. It was a person, lying still on her back, with blood surrounding her. The woman's belt had been unbuckled. Her jeans were around her knees. Her sunglasses were beside her. There was a trail of blood leading from an overturned plastic rubbish bin to where the body rested. It appeared the woman had gone through the building's trash chute system. Residents in the building could take their trash to rubbish rooms on each floor, which contained small chutes into which they would place their rubbish bags. The chutes were one meter off the floor, or a little over three feet, and only opened 22 centimeters, or about eight inches. From the chute, the rubbish went down an angled drop to a vertical drop into a compactor. After the compactor crushed the rubbish, it was pushed into a plastic bin. So if you envision this, we've seen it. It's like a wall. You pull a handle on a little door that's in the wall. It opens up, you drop your trash in, that's it. It's like the the way you drop it in, there's a angle for a couple of feet and then it just drops down. And in this one specifically, it did that and then it dropped down 12 stories. Yes, 
Yeah, it's like it pulls down like a male shoot, like a what you yes. you know. But it's and then the eight inches. There's also a little lock that if you push harder, you can you can make it open larger. But it also contracts the inner opening, essentially to prevent anybody from going down it. That's yeah. how it's functioned. It's literally just for garbage, and it's not uh, just an open shoot that you can just open and jump into. The way that it's set up is it's got a fail safe, basically that it only yeah. opens eight inches, and if you yank it down further than eight inches, there's little two little hooks on either side, like little stumps that stick out on either side. If you pull it down harder than that, a, a part in the back kind of shoots up. So to, again, to keep somebody from yanking it open and trying to climb in. Mm-hmm. Yes. Beth was understandably terrified at the discovery. Her first call was to her boss, building manager Eric Giamario. She told him what she had found. He told her to call police. When officers arrived on the scene, medical responders were also in tow. But when EMTs tried accessing the body to check for signs of life or perform life-saving measures, they were told by police it was a crime scene and that they couldn't enter. Even with it being a crime scene, no core body temperature was taken. No pathologist was called to the scene, and Phoebe's time of death was never determined, meaning she could have still been alive when first responders arrived. This, I think, is one of the most egregious errors in this entire case, even if it's a crime scene. This is They say signs of life is the number one thing that you check for when you arrive on the scene. You just go in and you check this. I mean, just all you have to do is put your fingers on her neck, and if she doesn't have a pulse, then leave. But the fact that they were like, nope. Yeah, it's... Very strange that even if it was a crime scene, you put on gloves, your paramedics, your job is to see if somebody's alive. It's not like you're disturbing a crime scene if you're saving a life. Yeah, just put on the little booties on your shoes or, like I said, just even just two two steps in because she was up against the door. I mean, just lean in, feel if she's alive, and then if not, then lean out. And then a huge issue that Roland Legg, which is the an, an expert that's commented on this case, and Lauren Campbell both said was, if it's something like this where it's such a bizarre case that they said the if the pathologist doesn't take the core body temperature, like if they don't want to dispatch them out, then at the very least, the undertakers on site should have done it. And it just never got done to even guess when her time of death was. Yeah. And to think that she may have not been dead. That's the worst. And, you know, I mean, obviously she wasn't alive enough to communicate or anything. But if she still had a pulse and there was a chance that she could have still been saved... That's just, I said. it adds so much more to this whole story. Yeah, so it's just one of the most egregious parts of it. It appeared Phoebe's body had traveled down through the trash chute. Blood evidence showed that she had been alive when she fell out of the bottom of the chute, but barely. The compactor had caught her foot, severing bones and arteries. It remained attached only by tendons. Like a bag of trash, Phoebe's body was then dumped into a plastic bin before she crawled around on the floor looking for an exit. Because it was pitch black, she was unsuccessful in locating the door. Alone and in the dark, Phoebe eventually bled out. And there's actual crime scene photos of how the compactor works, is it basically there's a uh, a conveyor belt that all of these different, it's the type of a trash bin that kind of we have in Dallas where it's a tall plastic bin with the lid that lifts. And on the conveyor belt, the bins will go to the end of the compactor and it knows whenever it's full and it moves it down to the next bin. It moves it down to the next bin. So there was a bag of trash in the bottom of this bin and then she was 
fell on top of it. And when she fell on top of it, that bin that she was in tumped over. And so then she ended up on the ground after the compactor, the, the manufacturer who made the compactor, and it was set to automatic. But when it was automatic, it always chomped down twice. So mm-hmm. it would crush once, crush twice, and then push. And so they, based on the marks on her body and the damage to her foot is that she was crushed twice and then pushed into the bin and then the bin fell and then that's where she was laying and then had crawled around and left uh, blood stains on the floor. It's one of the more tragic ways I can imagine losing your life. Definitely. How alone and scared you are just in the dark. Mm-hmm. And the fall they determined would take about three seconds. So count out three seconds. You're That's enough time for you to realize what's going on. Oh, absolutely. At 8.03 p.m., Aunt buzzed up the Thai food delivery driver. Aunt told Phoebe's mom in a recorded conversation that it was the delivery person who asked Aunt why so many police cars were around the building. When Aunt went downstairs to inquire with police what was going on, he was told the body of a female had been found. Aunt told police his girlfriend was missing and that it was likely her. Based on some distinguishing features, they confirmed it was Phoebe. Aunt said he was too distraught to identify the body in person. He also immediately mentioned she has mental health problems. She's on a lot of medication. She drank a lot. So, yeah, that's probably her. She probably did it to herself. I mean, immediately starts pushing that narrative. And if that's the first thing you hear as the cop and then you walk into this beautiful high rise apartment and, you know, there's some bizarre signs. Nothing straight out right looks like it couldn't have been possibly a suicide. You might not even think to question it. And then when you find out that people in real high up positions are also connected to this in a way that might give you a little even more incentive not to question things yeah might give you a little bit of pause and someone one of our instagram commenters my apologies for not remembering the screen name pointed out this is stigmatization of mental health at its finest Mm -hmm. this is 2010 the second they mentioned oh it was a hysterical woman that was distraught with this she was on medication for her brain trying to i mean it people back then and today honestly some people still have this gut reaction of like oh well of course it was that and the sad thing is is people with mental health struggles are then victimized more and then their crime their perpetrators aren't caught because you say oh well it couldn't have no one could have done anything to stop this they did it to themselves Mm -hmm. she was drunk she was on sleeping pills clearly she somehow managed to open this trash chute door that's three feet off the ground and then by herself climb up the wall and shove herself into this very small opening that's the size of a laptop, if that, and then fall down the thing when there's been several reenactments conducted by her grandfather that we're going to talk about in the third episode. And that, to me, is probably the most damning evidence of all and why I think it's just physically impossible that this could have happened this way. And with her pants around her knees as well. Yes. I have some theories about that as well. There were three crime scenes to be investigated. First, Aunt and Phoebe's apartment. Second, the rubbish room on the 12th floor where the chute opens. And finally, the compactor room where she was found. According to former law enforcement officer Roland Legg, who provided analysis of the case, all three crime scenes should have been secured with entry and exit points, stationed with officers recording who entered and exited. This did not happen. Crucially, the apartment was not secured. 
Yeah, that's not even, I think some, you know, it's like, well, is it because the, the person at issue is well-connected? It sound this part just sounds bumbling that it was, yeah. or that it was a rich building in a ritzy part of town and that you don't want to bother everybody and say, you're not allowed to go in these areas. You can't go in the lift. You can't go in this part of the floor, like shut down part of the 12th floor. That if it's like, it's kind of a nice building, like we got to, you know, we can't really come in here and start like muscling everybody around. I'm sure there was a lot of bias at play as well as some bumblingness. I think it's very strange that you would immediately look at this crime, the scene, determine it's a crime. Therefore, we can't touch the body, but we're not going to secure a crime scene. Like you're securing the scene where she's found. Don't get near the body, but then anybody can come and go in the apartment. That is such a good point. I didn't even think of that because, yeah, it's not like they said, oh, okay, well, it was just a suicide, so we don't need to secure anything. The mm-hmm. fact that you're securing that one room and not where she definitely was before that because her purse is in there and the way to get there, which is the, mm-hmm. the rubbish room on the 12th floor, not to just immediately lock all that down is, as Roland Legg and Lauren Campbell both said, that's just like mind boggling. When the statistics of NA, if a partner is found dead, Nine out of ten times, it's the, it's the partner that did it. And they're letting him come and go in the apartment that they shared. So, you know, I mean, of all the places that sh- should be secured and the one person that should be removed from the situation and taken at the very least down to the station. Yeah. Did not happen. Oh, no, it was very deferential. Mm-hmm. Sinisterhood will be right back. Most of you have probably heard us singing the praises of Pros, the world's most personalized hair care. And for those who haven't, we want to tell you about the incredible results we're seeing since using our customized Pros products. We were doing a live stream last night, and I noticed both of our hair was so shiny and so <laughs> bouncy. And you know what? That's all because of our Pro shampoo that we love. Pros knows there's more to you than just your hair type. They've given over 1 million consultations with their in-depth hair quiz, which is how we got started. By analyzing over 85 personal factors, Pros determines a unique blend of ingredients to treat your exact concerns. I'm moving soon, so I'm going to have to update my Pros profile to include a new zip code, which I don't think is going to change my formula much because it's <laughs> 10 minutes from where I currently <laughs> live. It just happens to be a different zip code. But it could, you never know. and it's cool that if it did... It would take that into consideration. That's pros for you. Pros has a review and refine feature, which lets you tweak your formula for any reason, like Christy's change of address, hair color, or diet. And you've actually used this before you move too, right? You can change fragrances. Mm-hmm. Yes, I've had several fragrances. They're all lovely. As a carbon-neutral certified B Corp, Pros is also an industry leader in clean and responsible beauty. All their ingredients are sustainably sourced, ethically gathered, and cruelty-free. They're also the first custom beauty brand to go carbon-neutral. If you're not 100% positive, Pros is the best hair care you've ever had. They will take the products back, no questions asked. Pros is a healthy hair regimen with your name all over it. Take your free in-depth hair consultation and get 15% off your first order today. Go to pros.com slash creepy. That's P-R-O-S-E dot com slash creepy for your free in-depth hair consultation and 15% off. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Things get really hectic around the holidays. I... It's just a really, really tough time for me, and I don't know how to handle it all the time. There's no manual, but you know what? 
there's no manual for life, but there is therapy and my better health therapist. Yeah. Unfortunately, life does not come with the user manual. So when it's not working for you, it's normal to feel stuck. Navigating any of life's challenges can make you feel unsure, whether it's a career change, a new relationship, or becoming a parent. Therapists are trained to help you figure out the cause of challenging emotions and learn productive coping skills, which makes therapy the closest thing to a guided tour of the complex engine called you. BetterHelp has connected over 3 million people with licensed therapists. It's convenient and accessible anywhere, 100% online. I love my BetterHelp therapist. I come with questions prepared. She always has follow-ups. She sends me wonderful messages, has given me great recommendations on books. And it's just uh, it's just like nice to have an established relationship and know that there's somebody out there looking out for me and I can touch base when I need it. Have a little sounding board, especially during uh, what is a very stressful time of year for a lot of people. As the world's largest therapy service, BetterHelp has matched 3 million people with professionally licensed embedded therapists, available 100% online. Plus, it's affordable. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to match with a therapist. If things aren't clicking, you can easily switch to a new therapist anytime. It couldn't be simpler. No waiting rooms, no traffic, no endless searching for the right therapist. Learn more and save 10% off your first month at BetterHelp.com Sinister. That's BetterHelp. H-E-L-P dot com slash sinister. In a room downstairs in the apartment building, Ant called his mother and stepfather. His father, the retired Supreme Court judge, and his stepmom, the sitting county court judge, were out of town at the time. He also called his longtime friend and her husband. They arrived and waited with Ant in the room downstairs. He had already called Phoebe's father and broke the news. Lynn then called Phoebe's mother, Natalie, who was devastated. Natalie called her own mom, Phoebe's grandma and close confidant, Jeanette, to tell her as well. Jeanette was heartbroken and also perplexed. She had texted Aunt earlier in the day asking about Phoebe's well-being and received a reply at 8.35 a.m. It read, Thanks, Marm. She is sleeping beauty right now and not the beast she was. Resting well and I've explained how it's... Resting well and I've explained now is the time to heal. Then, when she feels okay, we'll work out a plan. (sighs) Mm. it gives me pause this whole this whole bit not the beast she was i don't like that Mm -mm. Uh, it also implies a conversation had happened that was about their relationship problems or he had texted her that phoebe was arguing or if you say she's not the beast she was to me that means that you could could have called her a beast before (laughs) Or that she was being a beast. Well, and yeah. she had sent that odd text message the day before about checking into hospital and yeah. tomato soup and things. And so Jeanette wanted to check in on her. And I don't like the phrase, I've explained now is the time to heal. Because as a person who is in a relationship with someone much older, I think I talked about it last time, there's a lot of, okay, kiddo, I'll tell you how it's going to be. Mm-hmm. Let me tell you how it's going to be. So this definitely, I, I, I did not like that. I've explained that this is how it's going to be. Though police were on the scene, the investigation did not follow protocol, according to both Roland Legg and retired detective Lauren Campbell, who was also Phoebe's grandfather. In the shuffle of the many police officers and supporters of Ann Hample, who were in and out of the building, several items of evidence were either lost or overlooked. And Len came to the building with Phoebe's brother Tom, and they were not allowed to see her body. They were told not to. And then they kept, like you said, Ant was not taken downtown. He was kept in a little room downstairs and talked to there. So there, it's kind of 
to me, it's like, that's her dad. You should let her dad identify her body or see her. But mm-hmm. it was sort of the focus was less on that and more on let's talk to aunt. And obviously, we don't know a ton about Australia protocols, but here, most likely, aunt would have been taken to a police station and not questioned at another room in an apartment building. I don't know if that's just because of who he was and how wealthy or if that's more, you know, they play it a little more fast and loose over there. But it is very odd that he wasn't at all considered a suspect, even though they were saying this is a crime scene. And but then it, very quickly that changed into, nah, it's not a crime scene. She killed herself. It was, yeah, moments later, it did not take much talking to Aunt. And in fact, Aunt said to, I believe, Beth, Beth the concierge, and if not Beth, then it was another employee who was very distraught. So I think it was Beth, very distraught. Don't worry about it. She did this to herself. So you shouldn't Mm. feel bad. And later on, one of Aunt's friends repeatedly came back to that concierge and kept saying the same thing. I know you're upset, but just so you know, it was a suicide. Just so you know, I just want to reiterate. And it's just a lot of repeating of the same theory. But you and I don't know as much about uh, Australian, uh, the ins and outs of Australian law enforcement. But I'm going to trust Lauren Campbell and Roland Legg, who both said this was a shit show. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if I had discovered a body that someone telling me, don't worry about it, she did this to herself, would make me feel any better. In fact, that would probably make me feel worse. It would indeed, yes. Yeah, and also, why are you worried about me? Like, wouldn't Mm -hmm. you be distraught? Yeah, um, if my love of my life and significant other had just been found brutally killed, I don't think I would be going around talking to anybody really i'd be probably in a padded room hysterical somewhere but everyone grieves differently and everyone handles situations differently that's what it's what it seems Aunt like. Hample has been cleared all... yeah <laughs> he's been cleared over the corner of all involvement and we're not <laughs> suggesting otherwise blood had been found on phoebe's laptop mouse and desk according to lauren's analysis there was blood on a computer mouse, a computer mouse pad, and a door architrave, the latter being the only blood stain in the apartment, which was DNA tested. Inquiries into the ripped couch cushion were never made, and the broken glass found on the floor was never tested to determine from where it came. Additionally, two unbroken glasses that were partially filled with some type of drink were found at the scene. Those glasses were not dusted for fingerprints, and the contents of the glasses were not tested. And granted, the dog rips shit up all the time. So a lot of people were like, it could have been the dog. The dog rips up couch cushions. That's all well and good. Does the dog eat glass? Does the dog pour himself a glass of vodka for him and a buddy and leave it on the top? So it's one of those things where if one single piece, I'll I'll give you the couch cushion. If you watch a dog Mm -hmm. put its jaws into the foam and tear and you go, well, it matches the other one. I don't have to go into an analysis of this. But the glass especially and the glasses on the the tabletop, come on. It. Seemed like she was preparing to go out, maybe having a drink with with someone. Her hair straightener was plugged in, so she's doing her hair for some reason. There's candles lit, so it's kind of a mood and everything. It, By all accounts, um, the dog was not having a dog party with somebody else there. Yeah. I would not look. I mean, I'll give you the cushion, but the rest of it is very sus. And even weirder that you wouldn't – it's just – it, to me, it it almost has to be intentional because 
it's so egregious to overlook such basic detective things. Yes. I mean, this is like you're watching NCIS in the things that you have to like piece together. It's not difficult for just the layperson to look at this and say, she was found dead at the bottom of a trash chute. The last place she was, there were two glasses. Hmm. So somebody must have been there with her. We should probably test those glasses for DNA to see who may have been with her so we can find out what happened. And I wondered, too, absolutely why they, you know, that and why don't you look at how much wax is melted in the candle? Has it been burning for six hours or 30 minutes? Or how hot is the straightener? Is it like burning hot where the plastic mm-hmm. is melting or had it just been turned on? Simple things. And also, I, I wonder if it would help anybody to know that it was fairly well known that if the dog was left alone for too long of a period of time, he would freak out and rip up couch cushions. And he had ripped one and had started in on another. So that... Timing Mm. also can help that I think things didn't happen in the last hour. So the timeline of things might not be as black and white as they were trying to paint it. The couch cushion could have happened long after the glass and the blood and everything. Yes. CCTV footage had captured Phoebe leaving the Balencia earlier in the day with her dog. This would be the last time Phoebe was seen alive. Additional CCTV footage was not obtained within the two-day window when it would have been preserved. Instead, police requested a private company get the footage two days after the crime, when most had already been recorded over. Later, when Phoebe's grandfather asked for the hard drive so he could investigate for himself, he was told the police had lost the hard drive altogether. Footage was only saved from three of the 14 total cameras in the building. And when you start to talk about incompetence versus, I don't know, maybe a cover-up, the gentleman that was in charge of the CCTV footage told police on the scene at the time, hey, you should come download this right away because the machine's been fucking up and it's supposed to record over every two days, but sometimes it goes longer than two days. So if you want to go ahead and grab it now, I can help you all to grab it now. And they were like, could you go back in your office and shut up, please? And he's just like, are you sure you don't want me to like pull it or touch it? They're like, no, just leave it. It's fine. And then two days later, when they come back, only a fraction of it's left. And some of it no one will ever see because Aunt Hample's lawyers said that no one can ever see it. It's been hidden. Yeah, it's um, this is my own opinion based on the evidence at hand. Yes. To me, the only thing that would make all of this happen so quickly, and by that I mean for the police to immediately change from going, this is a crime scene, to, nope, this is a suicide, nothing needs to be investigated, everybody shut it down, we're going back to the station, is a phone call to tell the person in charge, uh... We're good. Y'all don't need to look into this any further. Yeah, or comments from people on the scene, any number of people on the scene, not law enforcement, but, you know, involved in the investigation going, do you know who this is? Do you know who his Mm -hmm. dad is? Do you know who this is? I mean, that's the last names right there. I'm trying to think who it would be equivalent to in the States as well as as far as like notoriety and, and wealth. I mean, a, so is, he's like a state Supreme Court justice because it's a Supreme Court of Victoria justice. So, I mean, any it, it doesn't take a lot if, for people to make a couple of phone calls and be like, do you no. know who I am? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And especially when you're super powerful in like a region or an area, even we may not have heard of them, but in that area, they're like, they're a huge fish in a little pond. Murdoch, Alex Murdoch. 
Alec Murdoch. Oh, there you go. Yeah, yeah. It's very similar to Murdoch's. You have Paul fucking up doing wild shit. And it's like on the scene, he, Paul says, don't you know who my daddy is? Don't put mm-hmm. handcuffs on me. Don't you know who my daddy is? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'll... I'm not saying that was said here. I'm just saying that happened in the Murdoch case. Yes. Yes. But it and like that, too. Everyone in that town knew who they were. They ran the show. We didn't know who they were until the story broke of all the shit that had happened. But, you know, I mean, in uh, this area in Melbourne, Ann Hample was very well known, as was his family. Yes. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. Very quickly, the narrative that Phoebe had died by suicide began to form. Based on the scene in the apartment, both the Hamples and authorities came to the conclusion that Phoebe had dropped a glass, partially cleaned up the pieces, and then walked to the garbage chute to dispose of them. At that point, Phoebe, who would have been under the influence of alcohol and Stilnox, threw the trash bag down the chute before climbing into it on her own accord and plummeting to her eventual death. When the handle to the chute was dusted for prints, none were found, from Phoebe or anyone else. There was also no blood found on the handle of the chute, disrupting the police's theory that the blood found in the apartment was from Phoebe cutting her hand on the broken glass. A trash bag containing broken glass was never located, and no pieces of glass were found in the refuse room. In the bottom of the bin into which she fell, there was a bag, and it was not their trash, and it was not, there was no glass that so whatever went down right before her wasn't hers yeah only she went down the rest of the glass nobody said okay let's grab all the other bags to see what bags in this room possibly could have trash it just all went bye-bye it went disappeared to the landfill and gone and the idea that she broke the glass and then walked only with the single piece of glass to throw it away maybe if you're on still knocks and alcohol maybe Mm -hmm. but the wiping of the hand fingerprints if i may say so yeah i mean because the other stuff is speculation to a point of did she have a bag did she have the glass like but the fact that you can test scientifically are there fingerprints on this and there were none yeah if that whole door's purpose is for someone to pull it open to put trash in it should be covered in fingerprints how are zero fingerprints on there Especially when the narrative that you're painting is she opened this chute, she pulled the handle down herself, shimmied herself up this. When when we talk in episode three about the reenactments and there are videos of it, we'll I'm them. watching these going, there's no way in hell that somebody could do this sober, let alone drunk and on ambient. But then if she managed to, 
how would there not be fingerprints? How would there not be blood? None of that makes sense unless it had been wiped down. Yes. And it would be. So in my head, I was like, okay, well, let's give the benefit of the doubt. Let's say like a maid, the concierge was good about what sweeping crumbs out of the elevator, everything. However, next, well, you're about to learn next, there's blood in the room. So whoever wiped down missed the blood and did not, you know what I mean? So it's like, mm-hmm. if you're coming in and say, okay, well, it's my daily rounds as the maid of the building is I have to go around and clean every refuse room and make sure it's not filthy. And I wiped it down. And it just so happened I wiped that down. Why would they have wiped the handle where the fingerprints would be, but not the door or the floor where the blood was? Mm-hmm. So it seemed like an intentional wiping off of the fingerprints of the door handle and of the shoot handle. And I don't think if you've lodged yourself in there so high and drunk that you just have no no idea what you're doing that you're like well let me reach around and mm-hmm. wipe my handprints off and then shoot myself down i don't there. even think it would be physically possible i don't think so either when you watch the reenactment yeah i think it was an intentional wiping of the handle and an accidental leaving of the other blood correct blood was discovered on the door that led to the rubbish room on the 12th floor and on the concrete floor of the room police photographed it and took samples Outside the building, police found and took swabs of blood in the elevator, on the control panel, and on the floor, plus a trail of blood also leading to the parking area down in B1, according to Into the Darkness. Another officer reported boot prints outside of Aunt and Phoebe's apartment. Based on the print stride, the person was either tall or running. The building was kept immaculately clean, so the prints wouldn't have been there long. The prints were noted, but never photographed or measured. Yes, things Another like Keystone this. Cops situation here. What I mean, that's why to me, unless these are just the most incompetent police officers that have graced Melbourne, this has to be a turning of the other cheek. Yeah, or maybe don't. Why are you fussing with that? Yeah, why are you messing with it? Don't poke the bear. Just and- let's let it all lie. To the credit of somebody on the scene, if you're a, you know, rookie on the scene or you're, you know, a crime scene investigator and you're trying to do your best and somebody above you is like, don't take a picture of that. Mm-hmm. We don't have evidence of that, but we also just don't have photographs. So either you were too stupid to take to not take the photographs or you were told not to take the photographs. Mm-hmm. If I was one of the investigating officers, I'd be a whistleblower, blow the whole fucking lid off of this and just say, I'm not an idiot. In fact, I said we should take that and test it or we should have taken that photo. And I was told not to. But people don't want to blow their careers up. So maybe that's why. That's the thing about me is I couldn't stand people thinking that I was this incompetent. Therefore, for that, I mean, I would have to whistleblow because... One, I would never do this because it's immoral and unethical and somebody somebody was murdered and nobody's being, nobody's being held accountable for it. But in any situation like this, I'm like, I don't want people thinking I'm an idiot. So I would want to clear my name and be like, no, we're not all bumbling idiots like this. They were they told us I took a picture and the next thing I know, I was told to delete it yeah. or I went to go take a picture and all of a sudden it had been swept up. Yeah, like you said, I would say this for my own uh, ego. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to be known as one of these exactly. Keystone Cops. Mm-hmm. Aunt said Phoebe's computer was open to her email when he arrived home. Unfortunately, the laptop was not taken in by police at that time. When her laptop was finally seized and analyzed months later, all of Phoebe's sent emails had been deleted. The contents of Phoebe's two cell phones also remained a mystery. Anne's dad gave police her iPhone on December 8th, 
six days after Phoebe's death. Phone records show that three texts came in after Phoebe died and had been read. Later, the SIM card was destroyed and the phone was completely erased. The Nokia phone has never been recovered since Phoebe's death. Yeah, this is another one where I believe it's the Phoebe's Fall journalist that said, well, didn't you want to didn't you want to keep the SIM card and do an analysis on it? And Aunt said, well, it didn't cross my mind. No, of course not. Mm. And the, why does his dad have her phone? He went you to know? the repair shop. Y'all can't see, but I'm doing bunny quotes. But he <laughs> went to the repair shop and picked it up and then uh-huh. gave it to police days later. The phone records showing that the text from her friends after she died that had come in and definitely were read, Aunt was like, well, I don't remember reading them. Well, that's convenient because how do you argue with that? Yeah, well, there you go. Good for you. You don't remember. You must not have done it then. You just shut it down. I mean, you can't argue when somebody's like, I don't remember. And her old phone is gone. So that's done too. The old phone that she had before her relationship with Aunt. We talked in the first episode, Aunt gave her the iPhone as a, for whatever reason, controlling, wanted to look more classy. It's more the more expensive hip phone. But she had this Nokia phone from what I'm going to call her before life and would talk to, you know, her her true friends on that. So it makes me wonder, why would that phone not have come into play? Why do we still not know where that is? What was on there that nobody wanted to see? Yeah. What phone records, what text messages, and the laptop not being seized until months later. That's so stupid. Y'all, it's okay. They did it because they didn't want to invade Ant's privacy. They said it in the final report. They said we couldn't take the laptop from the crime scene because he might have had private information on it. And It's her laptop. (laughs) If you put private information on somebody else's laptop, that's on you. Also, This is an investigation into a death. It shouldn't matter. Yeah. To me, it's an odd thing to say, it was cool, though. That's fine that they left it. They didn't need to take it. And it's like, who are you in charge of? Why are you in charge of anything? What do you Mm -hmm. mean it's okay? It's okay that they left a fucking laptop that God knows what she sent. And then because, spoiler alert, everyone said it was a suicide, Google won't produce the emails. They will only produce emails if there's a homicide. Oh, really? Yep. So, the but like, a court order has to say it's a homicide in order for them to release emails? Yep. Google so, if home. they're all deleted from the sent folder, which, ding, 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 red flag, red flag, why? Why? I mean, who goes in and deletes their emails when you are, like, actively using your email? You know what I mean? Like, no. you might go in after you've done something bad and delete that, but she was dead. But so yeah. she couldn't have. Yeah, someone deleted all of her emails. The only person that had them was Aunt. But I'm just saying someone deleted them. I'm saying he had the computer. Someone deleted the emails. I'm not saying he did it. I'm no. just saying you can. We can all do math. We, <laughs> yes, this is math that I am capable of. At the scene, police interviewed Aunt as well as Lynn, who arrived after 8 p.m. Both explained Phoebe's prior struggles with mental health. Ant was interviewed in a downstairs room of the Balencia. His friend who was in the room later told author Robin Bowles that Ant had been on the floor in the fetal position, sobbing. However, a detective who interviewed Ant at the time observed that there were no signs of crying, no red eyes, no mucus, and no tears on Ant's face. As the officer in the room typed out Ant's statements, Ant offered to do it himself since it would be faster. 
Look at that. He's interested in efficiency. I can't imagine that I would be able to um, see through my tears to even use a keyboard or my hands would be shaking so bad I couldn't if if I had just learned all of this about my loved one. So this is very bizarre. It's bizarre that they are at the his residence, essentially, doing this and not at a police station. You know, there's something – there's a reason. I mean, there's lots of reasons why the police take you to the police station to do this kind of stuff. But one of them is – because we're more comfortable when we're in a place of familiarity. You know what I mean? So we want to like, they want you to be a little uncomfortable. So they have the upper hand. Mm-hmm. Ant very much had the upper hand in this. I'm not even going to call it questioning as much as, hey, can you tell us what happened? They allowed him to give a statement. He was not being interrogated. Correct. I would not, under U.S. law, this would not be a custodial interrogation because he was freely in this room. He had friends with them. Like, he would never be. So a custodial interrogation usually happens when someone is a suspect. So at this point, they're treating him like a witness. And what gets me is that, and and I highly recommend Robin Bowles' book. It's extremely thorough. That, along with the Phoebe's Fall podcast, as well as anything in the show notes, the, the sources on this are not a lot, but the ones that we have are very mm-hmm. thorough. And this one, you know, if Aunt was on the floor sobbing or like, I can't even get up, I can't even like see her body fake crying, but the officer's like, he's, I'm not, I have eyes, I see him, his eyes aren't red, there's no mucus, mm-hmm. no tears, and was sitting there typing slowly and I imagine if somebody's a controlling person and an irritated, maybe would be like, just let me do it. Get out of the way. Mm -hmm. But he not being too obvious, you know, said, I can type faster. I'll just type it. And like you said, interesting that that's our focus is not I'm so devastated. I'll just tell you what happened. I can't even think straight to type, but be like, give me the give me the I'll type it. Give it to me. Give me the keyboard. I'll do it. Also, how are you going to do that if you're on the floor in the fetal position sobbing? And I believe that's one of the quotes in uh, Robin Bowles's book is. How are you even going to type if you're laying on the if you can't even stand? Mm-hmm. Well, suddenly he found the strength. It makes me just want to throw up. Honestly, the yeah. whole thing is just nauseating. How wealth and power and being white can just get you so many things, and meanwhile, it's the worst day of her family's life by a landslide, and they are being treated like. They're outsiders. They're strangers. They're being given the least amount of courtesy of anyone involved in this whole thing. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, it's like, what can we do to make you more comfortable, Mr. Hample? Exactly. Yeah. Sinisterhood will be right back. If your doctor can recite every line from the movie Ferris Bueller's Day Off but can't remember your name, it's time to get a new doctor with Sock Doc. It's my favorite movie. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't even think of that, but it's my favorite movie. It's a weird thing. If you go in and they're like, Bueller, and I'm like, it's actually McKinney, and they're like, Bueller. You're like, I got to get a new doctor, man. ZocDoc, got your back. You would. Well, ZocDoc makes it easy to find quality doctors in your network and in your neighborhood. Plus, with real verified patient reviews, you can find the right doctor for you, one that actually remembers your name. We both use ZocDoc, and we love it because we were able to find quality doctors. Christy is my best friend, and she vets everything, which makes me feel really loved that she thinks I'm good enough to be her best friend. The woman (laughs) reads 50 to 150 (laughs) reviews to buy a children's book. You imagine what she's going to read to find a doctor, and ZocDoc has the reviews. Thank you. This is... It is my cross to bear, and ZocDoc uh, makes it easy for me. I wish there was a ZocDoc for everything... (laughs) 
that I do in my life. I told you the other day, I want an assistant that will just cultivate things I'm trying to make a decision on and give me three options and then I get to pick because that's what I'm way better at. SockDoc does that for you. Absolutely. It's a free app that shows you doctors who are patient-reviewed, take your insurance, and are available when you need them. On ZocDoc, you can find every specialist under the sun. Whether you're trying to straighten those teeth, fix an achy back, get that mole checked out, or anything else, ZocDoc has you covered. ZocDoc's mobile app is as easy as ordering a ride to a restaurant or getting delivery to your house. Search, find, and book doctors with a few taps. Find and review local doctors, read verified patient reviews from real people who made real appointments. Now when you walk into that doctor's office, you're all set to see someone in your network who gets you. Go to ZocDoc.com, find the doctor that's right for you, and book an appointment in person or remotely that works for your schedule. Every month, millions of people use ZocDoc, and we are two of them. It's our go-to when we need to find and book a quality doctor. Go to ZocDoc.com creepy and download the ZocDoc app for free. Then start your search for a top-rated doctor today. Many are available within 24 hours. That's Z-O-C-D-O-C dot com slash creepy. ZocDoc.com slash creepy. Phoebe's body was removed from the building around 2.45 a.m. the next morning. The undertakers noted that she was wearing jeans with a leather belt, both of which had been pulled down below her knees. Additionally, she had on her bra and underpants along with a gray t-shirt, but no shoes or socks. Her right foot had almost been severed by the machine, and she suffered from cuts and scrapes on her legs, back, and buttocks. She also had a laceration on her jaw and a black mark around her right eye. Small, ovioid bruises were also visible on her upper arms and hands, usually caused by someone's grip. Well, that's all stuff that would not have been caused by falling down the chute. Those were pre-existing injuries. Yes. And the bruises would have been, you know, they were in stages of healing. They weren't like super fresh. In the surveillance footage, she's wearing a gray tank top. So I don't know if that is just she was wearing the same tank top as before or if and, you know, when they wrote down in the report, in the undertaker's Mm -hmm. report, what she was wearing, instead of saying tank top, they said T-shirt. But... Something to note as well. But what I cannot get over is the ovioid bruises on her upper arms and hands, which when you're being abused by someone, let me tell you, that's where they grab you. Yeah. It's also weird that her pants were down. There's different theories as to why this may have been. Um, Some have said maybe she, while she was still conscious, was trying to like, use the belt or something to kind of tie off the wound on her foot. Others have said that it was almost like she was interrupted as she was getting dressed in the apartment and maybe in a state of like getting ready, something happened. And so she wasn't able to to finish doing that. Um, But she's barefoot. She's got her sunglasses on. She's, you know, half dressed. It's some some of it seems like she was getting ready to go out. Other parts of it seem like she was just having a night at home. So there's a lot of conflicting things. I think when because she had scrapes on her legs and back and buttocks, that leads me to think, and I believe her grandfather's theory is the same, that her jeans were around her ankles before she went in the trash chute. And 
if you were trying to put a body in the trash chute, it's very difficult to get their legs to stay together, especially if they're somewhat unconscious. And if you pulled their pants down around their knees, it keeps their legs very neatly together. Mm-hmm. So their feet stay side by side. So all you have to do is pull the trash chute, stick their feet in, and they slide right in. It's extremely easy if you have a large man holding the victim, opening the trash chute, and slipping them in. Without the pants around the knees, there's some foot issues. The feet mm-hmm. won't quite go in there. But with the pants around the knees, it's very simple to just open it and slide the person in. Her grandfather said that? Yes. That's why he's a detective. Yes, he because he tested it in, in, in his many tests. He's like, well, let's try it with trying to get the, like you said, the person that was shaped like her to do it on their own sober. Mm-hmm. It was impossible pretty much. And without them actually getting stuck in it, um, honestly. But yeah, when you look at the the physicality of dropping someone who's playing dead, you know, playing or unconscious at the very least, because she was alive at the bottom of the trash chute based on the crushing of the ankle and the way she bled out, mm-hmm. your heart would still be pumping. But unconscious, you're like a rag doll, right? You yeah. can't get somebody in. But if you need, all you need really is to get their legs in. Yeah. You just true. pull the pants down around the knees. That's a really good point. The next morning, Phoebe's parents arrived at the coroner's office to identify her body. They were told that they could not make decisions about their daughter's body, as Ant had already registered to be senior next of kin due to his de facto relationship with Phoebe. A de facto relationship is equivalent to a common law marriage in the United States. Her parents were puzzled, given the relative newness of the relationship and Ant's insistence on calling Phoebe his flatmate at times and collecting rent from her. May I uh, read to you what the requirements are under the Federal Circuit and Family Court of Australia to be a de facto relationship? Please do. All right. Two years. They were together at least two years. Okay. That's the same in U.S. as common law, I believe. Phoebe and Aunt were together 14 months. Okay. Well, right there, then that shouldn't... Yeah. 12 plus 12 is 24. Uh, They have a child. They were registered. uh, That they had... Uh, significant comf- uh, contributions by one person to the other person that they're rela- it's like just based on number one they were together two years that's sh- he should not have been allowed nope. to have registered as that and her parents i mean you imagine uh, you can imagine her parents were devastated at this time also the irony of this at this time her parents were under the impression it was a suicide and they go in to see her she's behind glass they can't actually go in and touch her but her father was a medical doctor before he was a psychiatrist and understanding what happens in an autopsy they t- the medical examiner says well it's called a undertaker coroner's undertaker they say we're going to do an autopsy because we know that a crime has happened but we don't know exactly how this happened len said absolutely not you're not doing an autopsy i don't want my daughter to get cut up and they said well it's not your say let uh aunt has registered as the next of kin senior next of kin and they call aunt he doesn't answer i believe natalie speaks to aunt's mother and aunt's mother said well aunt wants to know what happened so the autopsy was performed. So if to me, that's almost like you wouldn't want the autopsy performed if you already knew what happened. Aunt wants to know what happened is what, according to Robin Bowles' book, that's what the conversation between the two was. So what is your opinion of that? Like, why would someone if you've if anybody anybody killed someone and then they were trying to get away with that i would think they would not want an autopsy performed because they want as little information being out there as possible 
Well, we know what killed her, right? It was that she bled out at the bottom. Yeah. I just answered my own question. You wanted the toxicology report? Yes, the toxicology report. Yep, you want a toxicology report because you know that the body is not going to tell anybody anything except Mm -hmm. she was extremely drunk and she was on, she was three times the legal limit and she was taking, it was a clinical amount, but a pill that was not prescribed to her. And mixing that with alcohol. Yes. Even in a prescribed amount can be have really adverse effects. But yeah, yeah uh, that makes sense. If you wanted someone's reputation and your opinion would be tarnished and you can also continue your narrative of suicide and mental anguish, you would probably want the toxicology report to come out that helps your story. You would want people to know she was three times illegal. Limit. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And on still knocks. Later that night, after identifying her daughter's body, Natalie was invited by Aunt's mother back to the Balencia building to meet with the Hamples. Meanwhile, Aunt sent their dog, Yoshi, to a foster home and spent the next few days grieving with female friends who took turns staying the night with him and holding him until he fell asleep, according to Into the Darkness. We all grieve in different ways. I, no one wants to believe their friend is capable of something like this. Mm Mm-hmm. Ah, if I had even an inkling that my friend had been responsible for the death of their significant other, who was probably also my friend by default, at the very least, they've met her many times. Mm -hmm. I don't think I could go hold that person while they fell asleep. Even if I had this, even if it was like a 10% chance that I thought they could have done it. Yeah, it's uh, the vibe at the apartment in the days after Phoebe's death was a weird one, according to friends and family. Uh, I believe someone called them grief groupies that because oh, Aunt was kind of a popular, famous guy, mm-hmm. uh, not famous, but like popular guy, like, you know, you have some like, yeah, and people trying to climb, social climb. Yeah, so you yeah, probably yeah, have people yeah. that are like, anything you need, I'll do anything you want for you, whatever. Mm-hmm. So that was uh, some of m- more Phoebe's friends, but then just commenters were like, yeah, it seemed like grief groupies are like, people wanted to be there just to say that they were like mm-hmm. in there. And then again, you have a crime scene that had never been secured, had only vaguely been photographed, and then there's just a bunch of people in there. Now you've got a million fingerprints, hair, footprints, all sorts of shit all over that apartment. Evidence has been tampered. I mean, it's not even a crime scene anymore. That that ship has sailed. Now it's just a whole different apartment. Yeah. Grief groupies, that makes me sick. But, yeah, I mean, that, that makes sense. Not that, not grief groupies, but if he was the super popular guy that everybody, you know, was trying to get their 15 seconds of fame and also morbid curiosity sets in for people and they want to, you know, kind of that... That dark curiosity gets the better of them. Oh, yeah. On Sunday, Natalie, Lynn, their two sons, Jeanette, and another family member arrived at Ant's apartment to meet with him and his family. Lynn later told reporters that he was frustrated at the amount of times George Hample, Ant's father, repeated the refrain that Phoebe was sick, had done this to herself, and that nothing could have stopped it. Lynn took particular issue with this as George was no medical or mental health professional, and Lynn was. I imagine you would probably want to punch someone in the face. I don't care if they're Supreme Court justice or not, who not only is it your daughter, but is trying to judge-splain to you Mm -hmm. your own fucking industry that you've spent 
decades in. And mm-hmm. not only that, it's your own daughter. Like, yeah. there's no better expert on a mental health at all in this situation than the professional person who, granted, and he had a rocky relationship with his daughter. They were rebuilding it. But still, he could, much like Lauren Campbell, take a step back and go, OK, if I'm looking at this clinically, which is hard for a dad to even do, here are the things that make sense. Here are the things that don't make sense. I understand as a doctor who was a doctor before I was a psychiatrist, how medications interact and especially how still knock slash ambient interacts and like, no, what you're pushing, the bullshit you're pushing, I'm not buying. Not only that, but he also knows his daughter way better than this idiot does. So yeah. it's it's very layered, the the layers of insult that this guy is just throwing at one dad to another. It's, yeah. Her grandfather also said that because, you know, she did like to indulge in, in drinks every now and then, that she didn't hold her liquor well. And just after a couple of drinks would get real wobbly. So... When you know that about someone, too, it is even harder to imagine that she would have been capable of climbing into this trash suit when she's stumbling around. And that's how she's known to to act when she's drunk. Yeah, they would use the word clumsy, that she became extremely mm-hmm. clumsy. All The whole description of this meeting makes me extremely sick and uncomfortable. And it feels to me like the Hansjuk family was being manipulated. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's very strong-armed. They're having them come to the apartment that your daughter shared with their son why aren't you meeting at like a neutral ground you know what i mean you're having Mm -hmm. it's so immediately the power balance has shifted in the hample's favor you know they're on they're on their own grounds they're on their their home turf also there's already a huge imbalance because of money oh yeah and connection yeah yeah ant remained in another room during this meeting Phoebe's family was told he was feeling too upset and distressed to join the gathering. According to the book Into the Darkness, Lynn spoke with a doctor closely related to the Hamples, who treated Ant at that time. He'd even put Ant under hypnosis. Lynn told author Robin Bowles that the doctor's assessment pointed to Ant's grief as not normal. And that Lynn was told Ant's behavior and reaction was that of a guilty man. And whether he's feeling guilty because his girlfriend passed away and he feels like he should have been home or he should have done more or you know guilty for other reasons Mm -hmm. that was the assessment uh that lynn received by it was one of aunt's friend's husband was a doctor at the time if i'm recalling that correctly if she did die by suicide she didn't then and he knows that he was abusive to her then you could feel guilty you also might feel guilty because you know how she really died. Yeah, one one could uh, attribute the guilt to many factors. But mm-hmm. um, I will say this. This is a full opinion, and no, nobody can sue me for anything. Um, and everybody grieves differently and yada, yada, yada. I'm going to say this right now. You're a fucking piece of shit. If you think that your sadness is more, that you're too distressed and you're more distressed than fucking Natalie Hansjuk, go Fuck yourself. Mm-hmm. The fact that he played poor pitiful me this whole fucking time and could not man up and face her fucking parents. I'm sorry I'm getting so mad. But the like I said, reading the and, and listening to Natalie and listening to Lynn recount how this meeting went. It's so abhorrent how he fucking acted like a prince locked up in his room while his mommy and daddy mm-hmm. were walking around handling everything for him. As so usual, he's a fucking baby. As they had so, his whole life. 
Yeah, exactly. Cleaning up after their little baby boy prince. I hate it. I hate to think that Natalie and Lynn are there going, okay, we're going to talk about this. Meanwhile, he's like too sad. Oh, really? You're too sad and you're going to dump everything on us, but then go file yourself to be next of kin? Go fuck yourself. You're, too, you're sadder than the woman who gave birth to her yeah. that for 24 yeah. years has loved her unconditionally every day of her life. You've been with her for less than two years, so you shouldn't even be able to be the next of kin. There is, even if you were so in love with her that you couldn't imagine even one day without her, that still doesn't compare to the love that Natalie Hansjack has for her daughter. Absolutely. Not not even a modicum of the same amount of no. love. And the ego and the arrogance it takes to think that you're sadder than her mother, go fuck yourself. Oh. He sucks. He sucks. He, Send me they, an email right now. I don't care. You suck. They drove over to this high-rise apartment to have this meeting they had to leave their house get in their car when yeah you probably getting out of bed is a struggle yes he can't even come out of his fucking bedroom that's down the hall yeah meanwhile you haul her grandma into your house and you won't even go face her beautiful sweet grandma Jeanette I love Jeanette she's everybody's grandma she we should all have a grandma like that Mm. but that they all come to bat for her and then he can't even open the fucking door no no and I mean If I thought that my kid was responsible for something that I didn't want them to get in trouble for, I'd probably also be like, hey, you know what? Go to your room so you don't Mm -hmm. say something that can't be unsaid. Just nobody can accuse you of anything if you're not around to be, you know what I mean? Make yourself scarce. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And when that in itself speaks volumes, but... He may have fucked it up even more for himself had he been in the actual room. But it's so gross. It's so gross. Natalie grew frustrated during the meeting. She was being pressured by aunt's friends and family on ways to honor her daughter, who they'd only known a short 14 months. Aunt wouldn't even face them, so she and the rest of the family decided to leave. Why are the friends there? Why are you're going to yeah. tell her how to honor her daughter? Oh my god. Like you said the judge splaining, but I think it goes beyond that. It's like wealth splaining yes. or like caste splaining. You know what I mean? Like they think they are better than these people and so therefore like hey, you poor you poor people that don't know how to do anything. We're going to tell you cuz we're so nice and selfless. And also, we're just so rich that we can't be wrong that this is how you should do these things. Yeah, just so you know, this is what she deserves and what she we think she would want. And it's like, you don't know my daughter. No. Fuck off. Look around this room. Aunt didn't even have to lift a finger between her dying and him moving on because there wasn't any sign of her in the apartment. He yes. maybe took a picture down off the wall and that was it. If that. I would also like to point out, Aunt repeatedly told authorities that phoebe had built a shrine that he tried to call a suicide shrine that basically he said she left all these wild notes that made no sense and there was a shrine in the middle of the bed there's 148 photos of the crime scene not one of them shows a shrine none of the shrine was mentioned anywhere in any of the police reports i believe it's mentioned by the coroner who just took it at his word but when you you're telling her family, even if, you know, like I said, all this is true, you're telling her family, she this is where her last moments were and she built the suicide shrine. Anyways, can you guys come over? 
Yeah. You want to come over and be in here and hang out with us? And then on top of that, we're going to pressure you how the memorial service is. Repeat over and over. Nobody could have done anything. And she did it to herself and she was sick. And by the way, I'm not even going to face you. I'm actually just going to hang out in the other room. Like, this is so fucking insulting. It's unreal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, in my opinion, it's by design. You, you know, you, like I said, when you're in your own surroundings and stuff, you you act different. You have more confidence. This is like you're you know you're more comfortable. It's like home field advantage, and I think they very much knew that. That's a really good way to put it. Absolutely, yeah. Come on, come you come over here. Yeah, I, I mean because you disarm them mm-hmm. because they do know this was the last place my daughter was alive. You know her blood was on that door over there. The glass that was broken was right there on the floor. I mean you're just looking around imagining what those last few hours were like you're disarmed how are you going to argue about anything or like make any other decisions so then you look like this white knight that swept in and it's like we'll take care of the arrangements this is how she'd like to be honored sorry aunt can't come out right now he's busy he's playing his video games like what are you even doing in there while this is going on are you on your phone are you do you have your ear pressed up against the door because you want to hear but you're too much of a shithead to go out there that's my question i'm like do you, like you said are you listening or are you just like i'm gonna put my headphones on and pretend nobody's out there waiting on a tax return hopefully it ends up in your hands fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30 percent in 2023 if you're in a bind this tax season lifelock can help our u.s-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues and all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware. You've worked hard for what you have. Your money, your assets, your 401k, and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com slash aware. Terms apply. Less than a week after her death, Ant posted on his Facebook. For those of you around the world who don't know the sad news, my partner Phoebe struggled terrible depression much of her life. She took her own life on Thursday to ease her pain, to be at peace. There will be a memorial next week. I don't think it's his business to go and say that on Facebook. Mm-hmm. I think you're allowed to say that my partner passed, but I don't think you should throw it out there. I mean, she struggled terrible depression much of her life. You know, folks knew about that. But she took her own life on Thursday to ease her pain to be at peace. She didn't leave a note. Yep. If she did intentionally do this to end her own life, it's... The, one of the most complicated ways you could do that. She had alcohol and sleeping pills at her fingertips in that house. Yes. And had indicated to her therapist a few days prior that that's how she was going to end her life was yes. by taking a bunch of pills. Why would you choose such a difficult t- route to, to end your life when also – there's no guarantee that it even would. Yes, and because she survived the fall. Yeah, well, also, like, none of us know what it's what's in a trash chute because we don't, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I wouldn't be like, uh, this is definitely 
going to do what I'm setting out to do. I don't yeah. I don't know how long of a drop it is, what's in there, yeah. you know? I mean, so it just seems like it doesn't make any sense why you would go that direction. And just days later to say that without the full investigation finishing, I mean, it is... He said that the night of, so he's getting he is, out there before everybody else. It's a foregone conclusion. I mean, he's been saying it since moment one. And they said that was, you know, uh, Natalie Hanschuk in, I believe it's the, um, oh, we talked about it in the first one. It's the equivalent of like 60 minutes in Australia. Someone said 60 minutes is not the same as under investigation, but I said the 60 minutes Australia YouTube channel uploaded that. So it says 60 minutes Australia under investigation. We get it. It's two different shows. Thank you for right. our Aussie listeners. I was comparing it to 60 Minutes in the U.S., but I guess it would really be more like um, not an Unsolved Mysteries. But I, regardless, she said that it, you know, within minutes, he was saying she did this herself. It was a suicide. So before anybody can even question it, he's like, no, 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 no. It was a suicide. Don't even like going on Facebook, making this public announcement before the investigation's even finished. Well, now everybody already has it in their head. Okay, we're looking at it through the lens of this was a suicide. Now when new information comes out, it's really hard to like unring that first bell and consider a different point of view when we've already like kind of agreed that this is what happened. No, you're absolutely right. And I think a detective should be a detective and figure it out through an investigation and her boyfriend saying and vehemently insisting that it was a suicide is not the conclusion that you plug in. It is in fact a piece of evidence that you use to reach your own conclusion. And if you're really looking hard, you'll know that ain't the conclusion. Yeah. After leaving the apartment that Sunday night, Natalie had texted aunt asking for a meeting alone. She received a reply from aunt's mom instead, telling Natalie to come back on Monday, December 6th. Natalie agreed. She told her father, Lauren, about the planned meeting. The retired detective had one suggestion for his daughter. Bring a tape recorder and capture everything. Aunt Hample has been fully cleared by the coroner of being involved in Phoebe's death, and we are not suggesting otherwise. If you or someone you know are struggling with your mental health, help is available. If you're in the U.S., U.K., or Australia, use any phone to dial 988 and reach the 988 Suicide and Crisis Lifeline 24 hours a day, seven days a week. So what do we think? I believe it was peppered through throughout most of it. But I think the problem here is what we just summed up is that when police arrived on scene, they were provided with a conclusion. And rather than conduct a thorough investigation to determine what truly happened, they instead selected a conclusion and then backfilled whatever mm -hmm. evidence they could. And next time we're going to cover the coroner's report as well as the difficulty to get the coroner's report, what the manipulation of the coroner's court, I'm saying it, it's manipulated. And when you see that there is just a narrative that's pushed and pushed and pushed and pushed and pushed, the amount of evidence that comes in the face of it, I think, becomes even more egregious. It'd be one thing to just go, you know what? We don't know what happened. We can't prove murder. We can't prove suicide. We can't prove anything. But to forcibly say, my partner, Phoebe, took her own life to ease her pain and be at peace. To me, he doth protest too much yeah no i was gonna say the exact same thing much like ellen greenberg they said very quickly this is what happened and they worked backwards to make all the quote-unquote evidence fit that narrative instead of starting from the beginning and following the evidence to get to the correct conclusion and just like ellen greenberg too 
the coroner was very compromised in that case as well. Yes. Coroners and judges. Yeah. I guess they got a tight relationship. I mean, it just goes to tell you, pay attention to who's elected, pay attention to who your elected officials are. Something like a coroner, I mean, that's usually a local thing that's probably not elected, but definitely, you know, your uh, city councilor, your city manager, your mayor, whoever's in charge of that. I mean, noting the type of decisions people are making and trying to do as much as we can. Although, if you look at the Ellen Greenberg case, Josh Shapiro was the attorney general who refused to reopen the case and refused to go against the cops. He became elected governor. So you know what? Yeah. Sometimes shitbags fail upwards. So, and there's nothing we could do. Makes you feel real. Uh, I don't mean to end on a downer. I'll think of some really positive things for the next one. But <laughs> well, for this now, isn't a positive case. I mean, positive in so far as taking a horrible case like this and what can we do, A, to help yeah. this family specifically and B, to help further families that are in the same scenario and, you know, faced with a similar situation. So right now I feel a little bit uh, downtrodden, which is nothing to say of the amount of emotions that the Hansjuck family is going through, having lived with this day in, day out for now going on, I mean, it's almost exactly, well, it's a little over now, exactly 12 years ago, mm-hmm. that that is something that they have to wake up with and face every day, that their daughter is not only killed, but that they are facing insurmountable odds to actually get the justice that they want. And and the whole family, you know, her grandfather as well, who's done so much, so, so much. And we'll really, we'll deep dive into his uh, analysis of the case next time, because he is I'm going to go on record and say the only one who's done uh, the coroner's assisting attorney also. And they're in pretty much in agreement. The ones that did a thorough vetting of all the evidence and the conclusion is not the same as the official one. To your point of what can people do in this situation to change laws or whatever? I don't know about changing laws, but I was thinking the other day that I think one way for these types of cases and not just this case, but the, if you expound, expound out like these types of situations to be prevented is for more of a spotlight to start being shown on them to where like just because you're rich and white and powerful doesn't mean that you get your way all the time. And when people start saying like, no, you can't do this. This is fucked up. And podcasts start covering these cases. I mean, the Murdoch stuff. That's all over the place now, you know, like Ellen Greenberg, um, now Phoebe Hansjuk, uh, Kristen Smart, like all of those cases. It takes like journalists or podcasters to really blow a story up and then the community and like, you know, just like regular people hearing about it and sharing it and talking about it. The more everyone knows about these things, the less likely they are to be allowed to continue to happen. So I think there's power in like almost this grassroots type of approach to it where it's going to be hard to get a lot of laws changed, but it's easier to get a lot of eyeballs and ears on these types of cases. And the more that everybody knows about stuff like Phoebe's case, then it gets harder for these the people to hide in plain sight. The pressure is put on them, and that's when you start to see cases being reopened People deciding, okay, we're going to reinvestigate this or now we are going to bring charges because they do start getting pressured. These people, and by these people, I mean the rich, wealthy elite who have political connections that are rarely held accountable for things. They're used to getting their way and not being questioned. And when that changes, that's when they 
they're the ones that are having to all of a sudden start to answer for stuff. You're absolutely right. And you're, the truth dies in darkness is what they say. And journalists have been proven. And there's a ton of journalists on this case, as well as if someone's not out reading the local newspaper, if we have a podcast or, a, you know, especially if you have more of like a Chris Lambert podcast where you solely mm-hmm. focus on a single case, you hopefully do get more eyeballs on it. It's the Ahmaud Aubrey case. The the fellas the, that are the murderers in that case really tried to cover it up, buddy-buddy with the local law enforcement, got the, well, uh, it was justified, and it was one single local journalist that said, nope, that doesn't make sense. I'm going to dig, I'm going to dig, and then bigger media outlets pulled jumped in on it then that's when you see federal charges being brought a special prosecutor coming in so you're right i think the more people can know about cases like these and then demand answers and say this is is what kind of society we're living in we say we have these laws but if you're well if you're well connected enough now they don't apply to you though like we want people to go to jail for doing wrong things but not me right and i think when you see more eyeballs on things you're absolutely right that that's going to be what moves the needle and that's why i think her parents her up in the the under investigation episode was shot like last fall i mean it her grandfather is still on the case they're still giving quotes they're still in the media and if it's for every one phoebe that we know about i guarantee you there's hundreds of thousands if not millions of other victims of other stripes where they live what their socioeconomic factors their just every factor there's that many more that have been wronged by somebody who's wealthy and powerful and got away with something yeah and it's While Ryan Ferguson wasn't a victim that passed away, he was a victim of a wrongfully convicted. And it took his dad being like, I'm not going to let this go. I'm going to talk about this every day for the rest of my life till somebody can do something about it. And that's kind of what you got to do in this. And that's what her family is still doing. You're absolutely right. He pounded the pavement, went down, made maps, gave tours, talked to everybody. And that's what Lauren Campbell's doing. And then again, the sad part is you have this family that can't even grieve because they're now tasked with solving yeah. the crime themselves. But I think for them, that's they can't have their family member back, except for Ryan Ferguson's dad was luckily able to get his son back. But in a case like this, you know, Ellen Greenberg's family or, or the Handstruck family, you can't get them back. But at least you can know that the justice was served. Yeah. And it hasn't been here yet. Mm-mm. Yet. Yet. Well, we'll talk more about what that looks like and the uh, reenactments and, and tests and things that were done in episode three, as well as some other possible tie-ins to the Hample family and some unsavory doings. Other cases. Yes. We love providing Sinisterhood to you at no cost, so if you like what you hear, consider supporting the show by donating to our Patreon. We're a small operation, creating the show for you by researching, writing, recording, and producing it ourselves. Any amount is sincerely appreciated and helps offset the cost of making and hosting the show. As a thank you, you'll also get some sweet perks like ad-free episodes, a Sinisterhood sticker, membership to our exclusive Patreon Facebook group for those in the ruling the airwaves and getting into it tier, a special shout-out on the show, a monthly bonus mini-sode. In December, it's going to be the Murdoch family update. Alec Murdoch is going to trial, so we're going to talk about that. And we also have patron-exclusive video and audio content, including Am I the Asshole, Relationship Advice, Judge Christie, Dear Sinister, True Crime Headlines, and more. And our patrons in the Getting Into It tier are able to vote on a bonus content segment each month that they're going to see us live stream. This month's live stream for the bonus content is December 29th at 8 p.m. Central. You also have the fun perk of access to our Discord server, where you can connect with other fans in real time. 
and discuss the latest in true crime, share personal ghost stories, or just post adorable pictures of your pets. We hop on occasionally and we host monthly Q&As on Crowdcast where you can ask us all your burning questions. This month's Q&A is December 28th at 8 p.m. Central Time. For our patrons not in the U.S., you have the option to pay in pounds or euros, saving you the cost of the conversion fee. Annual memberships for all tiers are also now available. Those that select this option will be rewarded with a free month of membership. For more details on all of this and specific member tiers, visit Sinisterhood.com and click Patreon on the top banner. And make sure you stick around after our sign-offs to hear your shout-out. So many of you have been tagging us in pictures of you sporting your sweet Sinisterhood merch. Keep those pictures coming. We have an all-new t-shirt with the Sinisterhood logo on it just in time for the holidays. We also have mugs, totes, clothes for your kiddos, hoodies, beanies, and more to keep you warm and toasty this season. Visit SinisterHood.com and click shop on the top banner to buy yours today. And if you are having issues in Canada with the t-shirt, this has since been fixed. So uh, we absolutely want to ship to you guys. And it was just a, a little problem on the back end, but it's been fixed. So you can order those shirts now. The best thing you can do to help us grow is like, review, and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcast. And please tell a friend who you think would like us to check us out. You can also share any episode by clicking the three dots in the top right corner and share topic-based playlists from Spotify by visiting SinisterHood.com slash playlist. All of this means so much to us and really helps podcasts like us get more exposure. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at SinisterHoodPod and like us on Facebook at SinisterHood. We're also on YouTube and TikTok at Sinisterhood Podcast. Christy, where are you at? I am on Instagram at Christy M. Wallace and Twitter and TikTok at Christy or GTFO. Heather? I'm on the flaming dumpster fire that is now Twitter, the remnants at <laughs> MCK versus the world. And I am on TikTok and Instagram at Heather versus the world. Before we sign off, happy holidays. This will be our last uh, episode before christmas yes and new or not new year's but uh whatever if you're celebrating hanukkah christmas kwanzaa anything else nothing at all however you celebrate and with whoever you celebrate we hope you have a wonderful time we are so very thankful of all of you we couldn't do this without you all as always the devil rules the airwaves happy festivus and keep it creepy Thank you so much for supporting the show. Here are your special Patreon shoutouts. Bo Brink. Ashley Kaluki Dorian. Alicia Best. Leah Lind. Pamela Coburn. Kelly Kerr. Megan Clark. Jessica Wilson. Maddie G. Christian Roxanne Nance. Linda Prado. Rebecca Barrett. Allie Avalon. Anna. Hannah Slama. Juliana Valencia. Heather Gray. Rebecca Imrick. Ashley Sheldon. Josie Chan. Eleanor Knight. Madeline Hamilton Veal. Allison Thompson. Gal Friday. Joe Lee. Renee Wirth. Elk Wilbanks. And Emily Noland. Thank you all so much for supporting the show. We could not do this without you all. We hope you pronounced your names correctly. Thank you so much for everything you do for us. Stay safe, stay healthy, happy holidays, and keep it creepy. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. 
Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.